0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We're thrilled today to be joined by Amy Peary. Amy is the CEO of the Hospitals Division at Atlantic Health and a great leader. We're going to talk to Amy about what she's seeing with COVID-19 currently, uh, Atlantic Health and points of pride regarding Atlantic Health, her advice for leaders, and about her career. Amy, can you take a moment to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Thanks, Scott. Um, I have been in healthcare for almost 30 years, so I guess that that ages me a little bit, um, but I just love it. Um, I was saying to a few people earlier, we're so lucky to work in an industry that has such a big impact, you know, where when you get up and you get in your car and you go to work in the morning, you know that what you do at the end of the day has the potential to save lives, to change your community's health, I mean that's just a wonderful um, place to be and I guess I'm just lucky that healthcare found me and I found it and ended up in a great place. Um, I just feel very yeah. lucky. In, in,
0: I mean, you've had a remarkable career. You've been with a few different health systems. You now lead up the hospital division of, of one of the great health systems in the country. But you started, you know, in in Minnesota at some point in, in college. Talk a little bit about your career, your background, how you sort of evolved to where you are today.
1: Yes, well, you can tell that I've gone full circle with cold weather because I did start in Minnesota where it was nice and freezing and uh, found my way almost immediately to Miami where <laughs> I spent most of my career. I spent 20 years at uh, Mount Sinai in Miami Beach, and that's really where I fell in love with healthcare. I had an opportunity to really learn every facet of healthcare in Miami and and it was such a competitive environment. You know, Miami has for-profit, um, non-profit, every kind of venture capital um way to approach healthcare and so for me it was just a fantastic training ground uh to learn really how complex healthcare is um and and just, you know, interesting when I when I finally kind of got to, when I did everything I thought I could possibly do at Mount Sinai, I was fortunate enough to move to Life Ridge Health, um, and that was just a, an amazing, eye-opening experience working in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I don't know if you know a lot about uh, Maryland's health care system, but it's a global global payment program where do you are you familiar with it? You,
0: you're, you're very familiar. Maryland for a number of two, two thoughts I'll tell you that I know about Maryland is people find it very hard to economically thrive as health systems in Maryland. And second, the LifeBridge system, which you were a part of, is really a magnificent system. It is really, truly a magnificent system. And in in Maryland, in the area that you're from, between Johns Hopkins and LifeBridge, a couple magnificent systems, but a hard place for people to make money in healthcare.
1: Oh my goodness, it's it's amazing. And and when I got to Maryland, it was like probably. 3 months before the state flipped the switch on the total risk program where the state went totally 100% at full risk so it was uh, absolutely turning population health on overnight and that was just a fantastic experience and a lot of you know social determinants of health especially in the Baltimore community where Sinai is located and really trying to understand how you help communities lift themselves up and and, you know, improve, improve health at that level when safety and jobs and public health issues are equally important to health care. So it was really where I cut my teeth on understanding uh, risk and how to really more effectively manage population health.
0: And, and take a moment and talk about Atlantic health and a few points of pride in Atlantic health.
1: So Atlantic Health is is really I, I really can't if you were to describe the greatest health system <laughs> that you could think of, you would probably describe Atlantic Health. I I came to Atlantic about four years ago. Um and and, and really because um at that time Brian Granulati wanted to lean into value. He said, Listen, New Jersey is ninety eight percent fee for service. I know that we can do better and I I and I just was excited about the opportunity to make healthcare more affordable and accessible but in a model in New Jersey that could be replicated. You know, the interesting part about Maryland is you can't really replicate that that system and, and not that you would want to replicate it completely, but there's a lot of good things about the payment system and and where you work on helping people achieve a better health outcome. So, coming to Atlantic Health, I found it to be so innovative, which is really the kind of theme that I would, uh, the special sauce of Atlantic Health, because we really moved ahead of the entire state. We built a data system, we built care transition teams, we forwarded uh, practice transformation. And in 2019, we took the first full risk contract in the state of New Jersey. So, uh, you know, and that was a big risk for us, you know, putting 200 million or so at risk. Um, is just unheard of in this state. And we came out, you know, very strong. So that's the kind of things, those are the kinds of things that I find super exciting. And that's what Atlantic Health is all about, you know, creating that value, creating the accessibility, the affordability, and bringing the innovation.
0: And talk for a moment, you've had this great Career in leadership. You, you are a huge fan of Atlantic Health. You've made a big impact on the institutions you've been at. What, what if, advice would you give to emerging leaders? What do you tell people that are going into leadership about careers, about what they should do, about how they should act? Any thoughts on that, on what advice you give to emerging leaders?
1: So I would tell you it's a lot less about me and it's a lot more about the people that I've surrounded myself with. <laughs> and, you know, building that great team is the secret to succeed and, and building those relationships, you know, taking the time to develop the trust um, that I have with our team. And, you know, I want them to be able to count on me and I want to be able to count on them. And that's what happens when you're in the middle of a crisis, you really test the boundaries of your relationships. And so you want to have those relationships firmly in place, before you face a pandemic, or before you face a hurricane, or before you face any problem you might have in healthcare. So, I would tell people of all uh, phases of their career to really invest in those relationships, build that team, respect and trust the people around them, because that's really gonna make the difference in how successfully they move forward. In, in-
0: Talk for a moment about, and the point is well taken. At the end of the day, anybody that knows that they had a great career or built anything would agree with you that it's all about teams and relationships. You have to be competent, you have to great at what you do, but it's much more about the competence of the whole team you put together. And if there's one key skill, it's putting together and growing and being compatible with great teams and building great teams. So, so couldn't sort of agree with you more. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing currently with COVID-19. How close are you to getting vaccines going? How nerve-wracking is the current situation? Talk a little bit about what you're seeing.
1: Well, I would say that (laughs) what I've seen now is a little different than what we've seen in, in April. And I really need to wind the clock back a little bit because... We were on the front lines um, in March and in April, along with New York City, we were about a week behind New York. As we we say, we're one train stop out of New York City. So everything that hit New York hit us about a week later. And I would say that that experience was so, um, I would call it almost traumatic, I hate to use that word, but having COVID uh, volumes grow exponentially um within a thirty to forty-five day period where we saw eleven thousand COVID patients, we had almost a thousand COVID inpatients before anyone knew anything about COVID. And I think that was the the the, the tricky part. Um there were no um really there were no therapeutics. There was not a strong understanding of the mask wearing, the um, how it was transferred, you know, so there was so much unknown, so much uncertainty. And to get through that first time really created this amazing playbook that we have today, Um, because from all the learnings, all the clinical trials, all the patient, family visitor, employee experiences that we had We've now put that into this great series of playbooks that we're deploying now. So I would tell you that we have almost 300 um, patients with throughout our system with COVID, but for us, I have to tell you, we're so calm and confident and competent in our care because we've seen this movie. We know what to do. Our team is prepared. We have what we need. No one's, you know, scrambling. So we and I think that the best part of that, Scott, is that not only are we taking care of the COVID patients and this surge, We are taking care of the non-COVID patients. And that is something that we have fought for this entire time because we run an ambulance company and we see what happens when people delay care. So we have fought so hard during this last surge to take equal care of not only our COVID patients, but our non-COVID patients so we don't see our community wait too long to get the care they need. So, so much different in this surge than the first surge, but we're learning and and, and evolving with this. So that's the COVID update, but I would tell you the most exciting part of this, as you know, is we're getting vaccine tomorrow. And I honestly, I I have like little tears, (laughs) seriously welling up in my eyes
0: isn't that true though this will be literally like
1: there's so many
0: days throughout our lives there's only so many of them where you will remember really that day that this happened in in sort of the clips yesterday of the trucks leaving the Pfizer plant are sort of one of those days because it's really this and when you first vaccinated a patient there it's sort of the beginning of the end we feel of this nightmare And, and sadly There'll still be people that die over the next few months or next several months, and maybe over the next years. But it does feel like the beginning of the end of what has truly been a national and international nightmare with COVID 19. And, and the tears in your eyes, I mean, you're just talking about it, brings tears to our eyes as well. I mean, it, it really is one of those quintessential moments in lives when we start to put this horrible tragedy, hopefully, to bed.
1: I I couldn't agree with you more. And tomorrow, God willing, when we give our first vaccine, I couldn't agree with you more. It is the beginning of the end of the nightmare of hopefully our lives, because this is unfathomable. What has happened this year?
0: It really, it really, really is. Amy, I want to thank you for what you're doing in your remarkable career, for joining us on Becker's Healthcare podcast today. What a pleasure to visit with you and hear some of your perspectives. Thank Thank you you so much, much. Scott. Be well.